Think of this. You find yourself in the back of a dark grand assembly all sweating profusely from the lack of airflow and the unbearing heat of the season. The room smells of stuff, cotton, and oxidated cold iron. You look around seeing every corner of the room stationed with polished oak desk with dark green covered lamps sitting on them. Just two years prior, the Edison Company installed lights in this building. As far as you can tell, there are probably hundreds of people from all walks of life in the middle of a hot debate. You lean back in your chair and unbutton your top button before you get sneezed on by the person sitting adjacent to you. You look down at your suit and hands in disgust. Then there you notice the position of the sunlight hitting your desk. It's noon. You're late. You push away from the table in front of you, forcing your chair back as you grab your briefcase and dash out the double doors of the grand room. You run down the corridor, squeezing between people in the hall. You exit the building and move around the incoming crowd like a motorist weaving in and out of traffic, scurrying down a block until you approach a modern but traditional building with greenery plastered across the walls, roof, and over three letters that sit atop. P-A-T. It looks out of place amongst the 19th century high-style architecture, but you take a deep breath and you enter. You move past the sunlit corridor on the gray brick ground and glide through the sliding door. The train station is bustling with people all living their own lives. Laughter and discussions are heard as you move towards your platform. You look around the station and all. It's like you've jumped into the future. Pictures move and make sounds. The temperature of the station is cooler and purer than outside. Even the people dress differently. You trip over a foot of a man sleeping on a bench with a newspaper over his face, but you keep going. You move in close to the rest of the crowd, waiting for your train, when a man beside you starts to speak. You're... You're the person I sneezed on. Sorry about that. I seem to be allergic to politics and old people. And I know you're wondering, how'd I get here so fast? Well, science. After you. Nothing like the train of thought to get you places you never imagined you'd go. It looks like we're moving. This is when all the fun begins. By the way, hi, I'm Cal. And I don't understand celestial geography. Boy, might I sound more like a sailor. Do you remember that scene at the end of Charlie and the Chocolate Factory in the glass elevator where they looked over the city? Doesn't this remind you of that? Just floating over England? Wow. Look at that officer putting a ticket on that vehicle. Whoever that car belongs to, they're going to be mad, man. Mad. Speaking of vehicles, they get around using GPSs or global positioning systems. If you didn't know, now you know. Now, this is no small feat. There's a lot of science that goes into this, but basically, you throw up a satellite like Starlink, and it shoots out data, which is highly accurate measurements of time, and it's positioned back to a receiver that calculates its own location or four-dimensional positioning in space-time. These satellites have these cool clocks that are atomic, but that's a whole different conversation. But they're synchronized with another clock on the ground. What's relevant about GPSs to our topic is GPSs uses longitude and latitude in their geographic coordinate system. And like the GPS or old maps, astrologers and astrophysicists depend on landmarks to identify the location of many celestial bodies, such as planets, stars, and galaxies, kind of using the same thing. For instance, take London. If you look at a map or GPS, the city would be split up into small squares or a grid, and you would use coordinates, longitude, and latitude to find locations. We just do the same thing with an Earth map or a celestial map. I think we kind of have to go to space for this. 
let us use the coordinate system and connect it to Earth. By doing so, it's going to be a little different than what you see on a flat map because Earth isn't flat. Earth isn't flat. Okay, so instead of using squares, we're going to use circles as the grid of coordinates for our sphere. That brings us to the great circle. It's not as mystical as it sounds. It's really just any circle on the surface of a sphere whose center is at the center of a sphere. Sounds confusing, right? It's not. Draw a circle or sphere, should probably just be a sphere though, and then draw a line directly between that sphere. And if you would just imagine that drawing to be three-dimensional, so the line would be a circle at the center of a sphere, looks familiar, right? That's because it's the equator. You knew that though. You're a smart cookie. Because cookies are round. Get it? So let's draw more great circles on the sphere, but perpendicular from our equator. We learned what that word meant last episode. 90 degrees. So it would be vertical going through the north and south poles. How about drawing five? Well, each of those great circles would be called a meridian. The old Latin word means middle and day. Middle day, which is noon. And this is because the sun passes the meridian or great circle at noon. So whatever meridian you are at, if the sun crosses you at its highest, it would be noon. Every point on earth would have one of these great circles or meridians going through it. Let's go back to the Grand Assembly Hall. I can just smell the freedom in the air. It kind of smells like topsy tobacco. <laughs> Shh. Sorry. What's up with that guy? Anywho, welcome to the International Meridian Conference of 1884. I don't think I'm supposed to be here, though. Talk about freedom, am I right? Oh, shh. Okay, let's just move over here. That guy, right? All right, anyway. The meridian tells the east-west location, or longitude, but the prime meridian is why we're all here. What is that, you ask? That's where longitude is zero degrees. See, longitude is defined as the number of degrees of the circumference of a circle or curve, or arc for short. This is along the equator, between your meridian, wherever you're located on Earth, and the prime meridian, or where longitude is zero. Here, Civil Service Heartthrob, U.S. President Chester A. Arthur, and 41 delegates from 25 nations. So, maybe not 100. They met to select exactly where the Prime Meridian would be, and they picked Greenwich, England, because it was the site of the old Royal Observatory, and because it was between Europe and the United States. A lot of nations abstained from this, though. The French continued to use Paris as their Prime Meridian for years up until the 18th century. Longitudes are measured either to the east or the west of the Greenwich Meridian, from 0 degrees to 180 degrees. Now here's your time to get it. Right now, our longitudinal meridian goes to Washington DC. We are located 77 degrees longitude west from the prime meridian, or Greenwich, England. Now to finish the coordinate system, we need to know our latitude. Latitude is measured either north or south of the equator, from 0 to 90 degrees. Your latitude or north-south location is the number of degrees of arc you are away from the equator along your meridian. So if your longitude here in Washington DC is 77 degrees, our latitudinal meridian would be 38 degrees. Watch your step. 38 degrees from the equator. Remember that's the line or the great circle that separates the northern and southern hemispheres. Ready. Do you remember when we learned that the north and the south pole were both 90 degrees from the equator? So that means both their latitudes are 90 degrees. We're about to blow some 1884 mines. Press the button. Here we are. Mount Everest, the tallest mountain on Earth. 
before you step out, put a jacket on. So we found out how to locate things on Earth from meridian to prime meridian, and even use the equator as a landmark. But how do we do that with the sky? I wonder what Antoine's doing. It's kind of the same, really, but using the equatorial coordinate system. Astronomers change the names. Instead of using longitude and latitude, it's right ascension and declination. Just like landmarks on Earth, we use landmarks in the sky or the celestial sphere. Isn't that cool how that comes up again? The sky turns above the North Pole and the South Pole, which is the North Celestial Pole and the South Celestial Pole. And 90 degrees from these poles? Come on, you got it. The Celestial Equator. These are the markers that we're going to use to come up with the coordinates for the sky. Let me just pull my telescope out my backpack here. Okay, I need to clean this backpack out. I don't want to stop. Oh, there you are. Nope, oh, not that. I've been looking for that though. Ooh, where have you been? Ah, ow, that hurt. Mm, oh, there you are. There you are. All right. Uh, okay, there it is. All right, instead of longitude, we're going to use right ascension, or RN for short, but not using the sky above Greenridge. Instead, at the point where we start counting is the vernal equinox. The point in the sky where the ecliptic of the sun's path passes the celestial equator. This is also the first day of spring. So RN can be measured in units of angle, which are just degrees, or units of time, which are hours, minutes, and seconds. This is because the celestial sphere, or sky, seems to turn around Earth like a grand stage. So basically, 360 degrees of right ascension can also be said to be 24 hours. That means 15 degrees is one hour of a right ascension. Unlike longitude, right ascension can be measured only in the east direction because of the rotation of Earth. So, if right ascension is longitude, then declination is latitude. So instead of the equator, we measure declination using the celestial equator. Declination is the north and south form of measurement, and just like latitude, the north pole and the south pole would have degrees of 90. But there's a difference. Points north of the celestial equator have positive declinations, while points south of the celestial equator would have negative declinations. This is because the North Pole has a positive magnetic pole, while the South has a negative magnetic pole. We'll dive further into this in further episodes. Until then, let's zoom in some more. Let's talk about circumpolar stars. You remember those? Because it's impossible to have a declination of more than 90 degrees, because well, the poles are the northmost and the southmost of the celestial sphere. This means that these stars are very close to the celestial poles, declination-wise. Think of this. You're sitting in the center of a dark room looking up, and a light is turned on. The light is at your waist, and you start to spin slowly. You have no idea whether you're spinning or the light was spinning, but it seems to rotate around you, leaving and coming into your sight from your periphery. So this light would be at the equator, at zero degrees. Another light is turned on, but this time it's positive 60 degrees from your waist. So from your peripheral, the light seems to rotate around you at a higher declination, moving in and out of your sight. Then another light is turned on, but this time at your zenith, right above you as you look up, circling around you but never leaving your sight. This is circumpolar. These stars could have a declination of more than positive 90 degrees, or a declination of less than negative 90 degrees. And this is why they never leave our view. Polaris, or the North Star, the yellow supergiant in our northern circumpolar constellation, has an RA of 2 hours, 41 minutes, 39 seconds, or 25 degrees, and a declination of positive 89 degrees. Okay, okay, okay. Before you say anything, I didn't bring enough hot chocolate to share. I promise you, you wouldn't like it anyways. Not even good. All right? I promise you, I got you next time. So let's get back to business. So why is this so important? Because of geography. We know that Earth's axis tilts 23.5 degrees. If we know where we are on the planet and where certain celestial objects are in the sky, we might even be able to get to know how seasons are made. Let's go back to space. 
So what are seasons and why do we have them? Seasons are a division of the year. Basically, some people a long time ago decided to divide the year into four different ecological changes. This helped a lot, especially when you were trying to raid your enemies. Don't want to be caught slipping. Literally. If you look out the window, don't worry, it's UAV protected. The Earth, on its 23.5 axle tilt, is taking its annual path around the sun. That's about 365 days. But here's the cool thing. If you look closer, the axis points the same way going around the sun. So that means the North Pole is always pointing in the same direction. December 21st is the winter solstice, and the rest of the winter would be the coldest time for the Northern Hemisphere, due to the fact that the North Pole would be leaning away from the sun, forcing the South Pole to be leaning towards it. During the summer solstice and the rest of the summer, which is June 21st, and so forth, the North Pole would be leaning into the sun, while the South Pole is leaning away. During the vernal equinox on March 21st, which is spring, and the autumnal equinox on September 21st, which is obviously autumn, the sun would be shining on both sides of the Earth. And in return, both hemispheres would receive the same amount of sunlight. Think of this. You're back in that dark room. Spooky, huh? You're sitting at a desk and you grab a tennis ball that's sitting on top of it. You mark the North Pole 23.5 degrees right on top of the ball. Then you make a mark for the South Pole 23.5 degrees left on the bottom. You place the ball adjacent to your desk lamp, which is in the middle of the desk for some reason, and you circle the ball around the light. If the North Pole of the ball isn't facing the light, then the South Pole would be getting all the light at the bottom. That's the winter solstice. Now you move the ball around the lamp and stop once it gets directly behind it. If you kept the ball pointing in the same direction, the light from the lamp should be hitting the full side of the ball. Now move the ball again until it gets to the opposite side where you started. This means the North Pole should be getting the full blast of the sun, making it warmer, while the South gets only a little. These are the seasons. This shows us how we even get longer days during the summer and shorter ones during the winter. All thanks to the lean. To observe what's actually making these days longer or shorter, let's go to New York. So this is New York, huh? I've never been. So New York is in the Northern Hemisphere and it experiences all four seasons. For us to grasp the information, let's take a note from the last episode and imagine the sun traveling around the earth. That path around earth would be called the ecliptic. We remember because the Earth is tilted 23.5 degrees, the Sun is tilted upwards 23.5 degrees from our celestial equator. With all this being said, let's look up to the sky above us. It's almost June 21st when this episode will be released, and we know that June 21st is the first day of summer, meaning the North Pole would be pointing towards the Sun, so the Sun would be north of the celestial equator, which would make its declination positive. Because of its location in the sky and the lean of the Earth, the Sun would spend more time in the sky in the Northern Hemisphere, high above the horizon here in New York, and other places in the Northern Hemisphere. It would take 15 hours for the Sun to move across the sky and set under the horizon again. Speaking of that, let me take my jacket off. Look at those kids playing with the fire hydrant. You gotta love old Harlem. That's, that's illegal. I see nothing, I hear nothing. Because the sun sits in the sky longer in the northern hemisphere during this position, this side of Earth is heated up, making days hotter. So this means we should probably teleport somewhere in the southern hemisphere during this time to see the difference. Hold on to your molecules, people. We're going to Samoa. Everyone is sleeping here at this time in Samoa. It's really peaceful, isn't it? When the sun is up over the northern hemisphere, the sun is down in the south. But once our sky does a rotation around us, the sun will rise, but not as high as it was in New York. 
This is because the south pole of the Earth is pointing away from the sun during this time. So as we look out to the horizons from the beaches of Samoa, once the sun reaches our meridian, the highest the sun reaches in the sky, it will be half as high than the sun in New York yesterday during midday. But let's fast forward all the way to December 21st. Now that the South Pole is pointing towards the Sun, the Sun is south of the celestial equator, meaning Samoa and other regions south of the equator experience longer days and shorter nights and even hotter weather. Hey, you want to see something cool? You ever see a train turn into a boat? Let's go to Hawaii and watch this. JP Morgan's Wildest Dream I know, we're just like jumping around today, but with purpose. So why did we come back to Hawaii? Well, because Hawaii's geolocational latitude is 19 degrees north, almost 23. And as we know, the sun appears 23.5 degrees north of the equator because the earth tilts 23.5 degrees inwards during June. This means Hawaii gets the most intense sun rays the sun has to offer at its zenith during noon and other places like it that are close to or around 23 degrees north. There's a special name for this latitude where the sun appears at the zenith on these meridians is called the Tropic of Cancer. Let's go to the North Pole. Hey, what's going on, Chris? Don't mind us, just passenger. <laughs> Keep this between me and you. Else, I don't trust them. They just give me the creeps. I just smile and wait. Alright, uh, where was I? Alright, during the summer solstice, the North Pole is pointing at the sun. And due to this, the sun's rays shine all around the North Pole, engulfing it in its magnificence. As we rotate, all places 23 degrees of the North Pole receive sunshine for 24 hours. Not 23 degrees from the equator like Hawaii, but 23 degrees from the North Pole like Iceland. And by the way, the North Pole is in Greenland. If we know the sun can only go as far as 90 degrees north because the North Pole is 90 degrees and that's the northmost of the Earth, then we know that positive 67 degrees is the southmost latitude where the sun can be seen for a full 24 hours in the Tropic of Cancer. Like Alaska with a latitude of 66 degrees that has a day where the sun never goes down. How do we know this? 90 degrees, the northmost latitude, minus 23 degrees, the latitude where the sun is at its zenith because of our tilt, equals 67 degrees. This circle of latitude is called the Arctic Circle, above the Tropic of Cancer. June 21st also affects the Southern Hemisphere. All places that sit 23 degrees off the South Pole don't see the sun for 24 hours. This is called the Antarctic Circle. You see how we didn't teleport to the South Pole? That's because we're going to speed up the time to December 21st, the winter solstice. The sun will be 23 degrees south of the equator, which will give it the negative declination. So this means the Arctic Circle on this day doesn't get any sun for a full 24 hours. Who turned off the lights? This means the Antarctic Circle gets the midnight sun. Everything is just turned around, and since the South Pole is now pointing at the sun, the sun passes through the zenith at noon at the latitude 23 degrees south. This is called the Tropic of Capricorn. So we have the Arctic Circle from 90 degrees north to 67 degrees north. From the North Pole to Alaska during the summer solstice, it gets 24 hours of sun. But during the winter solstice, it gets 24 hours of darkness. Then the Tropic of Cancer. The whole United States and continental Europe lies here. This is half the northern hemisphere, and the sun is 23.5 degrees north from the equator. Then the equator. Places that sit on the equator don't experience seasons like the rest of the world, but dry and wet seasons. Here, you'll see the dries of deserts like the Atacama, to the wettest of the regions like the Amazon. You know what? One more stop. Let's go to Ecuador.
To much of people's surprise, Ecuador is named after the equator. The official name for Ecuador is Republica del Ecuador, which translates to Republic of the Equator. Home to the Ceres people and then later the Incans, this equatorial region has a tropical climate with a real severe rainy season. Places on the equator see little to no difference in daylight hours. Sunset and sunrise happen at the same time, 6 o'clock to 6 o'clock. Once again, this is because of the tilt of the poles. 12 hour days and 12 hour nights. Alright, another place to go. The Sahara Desert. I know, I know, I lied. But it is worth it. If anything is more affected by the Earth's tilt, then it would be the Sahara Desert. Approximately 8,000 years ago, the Earth's tilt was 24.1 degrees. And because the pull of the moon, which we'll learn about next episode, every 40,000 years, the Earth's tilt seems to change between 22 and 25 degrees. Now this change in Earth's axial tilt affects the insulation of our home, which is called climate change. This has an impact on our atmospheric weather patterns, such as droughts, hurricanes, and monsoons. The Sahara Desert used to have lush vegetation, but because of the tilt 8,000 years ago from 24.1 to 23.5 degrees, monsoons decreased. And quick note, monsoons are just shifts in winds that cause rainy seasons or dry seasons. I guess we're losing our train of thought. Let's get you back. We learned a lot today about our world and our place in it. We even learned slightly about the natural ways of climate change, not to take away what we know about the human causes of climate change. And yes, I know the real world is a little different and things may seem just a little off. Maybe the way we see stars because of our atmosphere, which causes refraction or how light is scattered because of our atmosphere. And maybe June 21st isn't the hottest day for you, but always remember, even when things seem confusing and a little off the axle, stay positive like a northern declination. Think of that.